0: This morning is from Psalms 100. Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful singing. Knowing that the Lord Himself is God, it is He who has made us, not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him, bless His name. For the Lord is good, his loving kindness is everlasting, and his faithfulness to all generations. When you go to a job, whatever that job may be, you have to take a certain set of tools. Now that tool set may be skills. You may have to have a certain skill set. You may have to know how to do certain things with tools that are provided. You may have to take certain tools that you use in your hands. If you go to do uh, carpentry work, you may have to take a certain set of tools with you, and they may come in a toolbox. If you work on computers, you may yet have to take tools with you that come in a toolbox. They may not be as big, but yet they may come in a toolbox. When you do other types of work, I remember I've gone on mission trips and I've had to take tools with me. Those tools come in the form of a computer, books, uh, different things. I took those tools in a backpack. I've gone on mission trips and I've taken uh, a backpack with me. I would have computers, notes, cords, uh, flash drives. I would take a change of clothes, any number of things. I went with a friend one time and we were trying to get into... Singapore, he had all kinds of wires and batteries, and I'd i made my way through, and then all of a sudden I look back, and there are 20 people standing at the uh, x-ray machine, and they're stringing out wires and batteries, and I just sat down, and I said, well, I guess no hope of making the plane. Well, we made the plane, but I thought to myself, man, why in the world, and what were you thinking? This is Singapore. You can't even take gum into the country, let alone a bunch of wires and battery. They have almost a 0% crime rate. They don't mess around, you know. But the point is, you have to take, uh, you have to take the right kind of tools when you go somewhere. You have to take the right kind of tools when you come to worship. When, we, uh, when our girls were younger, we would take things with us for our girls. Sometimes we might bring snacks for them. We might bring paper on which they could write. We might take note cards to hand out. Of course, we would always bring our Bibles. And when they got up bigger, we would bring note cards for them to take notes on. The the uh, the, 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 the time to keep them preoccupied was over. When they got to a certain age, they had to begin to pay attention and to to take notes and try to learn something and to at least learn to sit there and, and begin to learn to pay attention, just like all children do when they come to services and, and things of that nature. But those aren't the only things I've seen brought to the collective worship of God, just as those aren't the only things that you've seen. I've seen people read novels, and I'm not talking about the novel of the Bible of the history of man. I've watched people read fiction. Particularly, I've watched people read Harry Potter novels. Have you ever seen anyone balance their checkbooks, clip their fingernails? I have. Have you ever seen anyone read the newspaper in the worship assembly? I've seen that. I've seen people clip their fingernails, talk on the phone, play on the computer, pass notes back and forth. The list goes on and on and on. You'll see things from the pulpit. You would have never believed that people would do while sitting in the worship assembly of God's people. You know, there are some things we ought to bring to worship, and brethren, there are just some things that we ought to leave at the house. When we read Psalm 100, we read the description of what God expects when we come together in His name to worship. Have you ever thought that worship lacked something? Have you ever been somewhere to a worship assembly, and you thought, man, they lack lack some things? Well, I've been to worship assemblies before when I thought that the assembly probably did lack something. I've been to assemblies of the Lord's uh, people when I thought they lacked reverence. I've been to the assembly when I've watched people serve the Lord's Supper and they're joking and jiving up and down the, the aisle serving the Lord's Supper. That's lacking something. I've watched, or I've been at the Lord's uh, uh, assembly when, when I've seen people singing and I thought, man, you know, you could tell they'd rather be somewhere else. I've seen that. We all have. I've probably been, been in that, I've been that person before. I hope I've never been that person that has been irreverent. I hope I've never been that person But we've seen and we've been places where they've lacked something. But you know, people come into the services of the Lord's church and they come in they look around they say, you know, this body of people is lacking something when that's not the case. Because we are doing things reverently and in order does not mean that we lack emotion. Listen, when we worship the Lord, that evokes emotion. Because we are reverent, because we do things decently and in order does not mean we lack emotion because we do not produce emotionalism does not mean that we are not having an individual response to God about what we are doing in our participation in worship. And that does not mean we do not recognize what He has done for us. Because I'm not talking about emotionalism. We do not produce emotionalism and God does not expect his people to produce emotionalism. Because you know why? It's easy to do that. It is extremely easy to produce emotionalism within people with the right orchestrated movements. It doesn't take much to do that. A little hand clap here, there, solo outburst over in the corner at just the right moment during singing. An emotionally charged preacher using repetitive phrases And in almost hypnotic oratory, have you ever been to an after-dinner speech or a a, a college graduation? Listen, I went to a college graduation one time and I listened to uh, former Senator Fred Thompson speak at that college graduation and he had me. He had me. I was ready. I don't remember what the topic was. But I was ready, whatever the topic was. He was good. It doesn't take much for a charismatic person to get you going. All of a sudden you've got hands and bodies swaying back and forth. The atmosphere for emotionalism has been established. People will begin to participate that you would have never thought would do something like that. They begin to jump around, uh, wave their hands back and forth. They begin to shout. All the while, they attribute those things to God. Oh yeah, I feel your presence. Is that God? I was at a funeral. I was at a funeral for a sister in the Lord's church. I preached that funeral. Now, unfortunately, that sister's family had invited a whole lot of denominational people to that funeral. And they had probably two or three speakers before I got there. And that went on for probably an hour and a half before I was able to get up there and deliver my sermon. And so I intended to make it very brief. But before I got up there, they had spoken for so long and taught so much error. I was obligated on that sister's part to straighten out a few messages that they had created. And as I was sitting there, one brother leaned over to me. And he said, boy, I'm going to shout. And I said, you might as well. You've done everything but that. I mean, we were supposed to honor a sister of the Lord's church. And what we had was a mess. What we had was a mess. Now, all those things that I mentioned are those examples of worship that gives glory to God or is that unbridled emotion? It's emotion, but it's emotionalism, right? I think it's more of a show of ex- exhibitionism. And Jesus talked about that. He talked about that. Notice Matthew 23 begin with verse 5. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments and love the uppermost rooms at feasts and the chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets and to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. Jesus said of those people that they are who believe or say, My faith is greater than yours because I was yelling louder and my actions in worship showed I was more in the Spirit. That's what you see in the denominational world. I'm more in the spirit. I jumped higher. I screamed louder. And you begin to try to have us talk with someone like that, and they scream over you, they talk over you. They won't listen to you. And somehow that means that their faith is greater. You know, listen, religion is not a competition. Religion is not a competition. Religion is between the worshiper and God. That's what religion is. Even when we obey the command to worship collectively together, even when we teach each other in song, it is still between the worshiper and God. My religion is not between me and my neighbor. It's between me and God. That doesn't mean I do not benefit from corporate worship. Of course I do. And of course it is a command. That's why Paul commanded singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Ephesians 5, 19. What if the believer doesn't have the ability to speak? He can still sing within his heart. He's out of the yelling business though, isn't he? He's out of the yelling business. His faith obviously can't be as great as the one who's yelling, so what he's in trouble. Mm-mm. No, he still has a great faith, and he's able to worship. Welling up with emotion for the sake of being emotion or emotional, and to be entertained is not religion. It is not sincere worship. It's emotionalism. It's not emotion. If it's better felt than told, that's emotionalism. That's not what Jesus taught. That's not what the Bible teaches. That's not what God expects. That's not what He wants us to to bring to the services. Thinking about and considering our God should produce a variety of emotion in all of us. And that's what He expects us to do, such as contrition, sorrow for sin, guilt and pain at the necessary sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, a longing to be in the presence of God, a trembling awe of the glory of His presence and greatness of His power, humility in being uh, able to serve Him. That ought to be one of the greatest emotions that we feel. Thanksgiving for the for the blessings that He provides. We just went through two seasons of... of Uh, What has been commercialized as uh, thanksgiving and and the the ability to be together and to love one another. We ought to feel that every single day. Rejoicing and and hope for the salvation that He supplies to us every single day. And the very fact that He would even consider us. That ought to be one of the greatest emotions that we feel. Those are all emotions rightly and properly evoked upon considering God and and the fact that He looks down upon us each day. Understanding the emotion we should have, I think all of us should ask the question, what does God expect me to bring to worship? We talked about bringing tools to a job, and when we look at the writings of Paul and He talks about our walk in life or or our livelihood. And our livelihood is, our first livelihood is to be obedient Christians. Our second livelihood is whatever we have chosen in this life to support ourselves and to support our families. We have to have tools for both of those jobs. And one of those aspects, or one of the aspects of that first job, our main job, is worship. That's one of the aspects. And so we have to bring certain tools to that one aspect. And so I want us to consider that one aspect this morning. What does God expect me to bring to worship? And that's the title of the sermon. The first thing I must bring to worship, this is our first point, is the right spirit. The right spirit. We are to bring a shouting spirit. Now wait a minute, wait a minute. We just spent a few minutes talking about emotion versus emotionalism. Listen to what the Holy Spirit said, though. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. We are to make, meaning we are to produce within ourselves a joyful noise, and the reference is to singing the psalms. The phrase means to shout, raise a sound, cry out, give a blast. It is a public confession of the attributes and works of God. We can give a shout and still do it decently and in order, 1 Corinthians 14, 40. The psalmist is calling God's people to raise an anthem of praise. Raise an anthem of praise from their hearts to the Lord. It is a challenge to participate in public praise. That's what he's talking about. We've been raising a shout this morning. We've raised a shout of public praise through psalm, through singing psalms, hymns, and songs. Spiritual songs, right? That's the whole idea. We we are raising an anthem of our belief and our love of God in honor of him. David described what God did for us when he said. He put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God, Psalm 40, 1 through 4. We're raising that anthem. Those songs of praise are to be sung among His people. And we see that in Psalm 100. David stated that. No longer do we sing the songs of the world. Now we sing to God who sought us and bought us. And we do it in the right spirit with shouting. That doesn't mean we can't sing secular songs, right? We talked about our walk, our livelihood. We have a a main livelihood, that's to be faithful to God. Then we have a secondary livelihood, and that's what we do to, to support ourselves and our families. Of course we have other interests. But what's our main focus in life? Let's get to heaven. Take our families with us, Right? David described that for us. When we come together, our praise is vocal, it's visible, and it's public. We can't be afraid of that. I know one time Brother Jim Waldron was telling me about his work in India, and he mentioned a brother, and, and in India they, they punished them greatly. the The main denomination over there that was outside of the Hindu religion, the main denomination was Catholicism, and they held the jobs, and uh, brother said he was going to uh, become a member of the Lord's Church, but he was going to keep it a secret because he didn't want to lose his job. Brother Walden said, You can't do that. You can't do that. You have to let them know what you're doing. You can't be ashamed of being a Christian. See, what we do is visible. It's public, right? We have to be vocal about it. We have to, we have to do it with a shout. <clears throat> Isn't that what... Peter and John, the rest of the apostles did in Acts chapter 5. Are we Are going to obey men or God? We're going to obey God. And so we do it with a shout. We have to have the right spirit. The, the right spirit will be a shouting spirit, but here's something else. The right spirit is a serving spirit. So we have to have the right tools. If we're going to worship God properly, We have to bring the right tools, right? So we have to have the right spirit, a shouting spirit, and a serving spirit. We have to serve Him. The word servant or slave, when used in this context of being a slave to God, means we voluntarily give ourselves to Him. We choose to be in bondage, right? We want that. How are you going to choose to be in bondage if you do it secretly? You don't want anybody to know it. See, this this brother or this one who wanted to be a brother over in India, he wanted to do it secretly. <clears throat> no, you can't do that, can you? That's not that's not the way it's meant to be. Jesus said, No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in mammon. See, that's what this brother wanted to do, and that can't be possible. All of creation belongs to the creator. Creator. But when we choose to be servants of God, we become His willingly. We have to choose Him. See, we belong to Him already. We may not recognize that. We may not shout that. We may not serve Him, but we are His. But to make it the way it ought to be, to have the right spirit, we have to Readily serve Him, right? When Christ gave Himself on the cross, He bought the church with the price of Himself. The least His creation can do is to give themselves to Him willingly and to serve Him willingly, right? When we chose to be members of His church, we became His because the church is His body. Colossians 1. 18. Notice what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6 verse 20. For ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. When we bring the right spirit to worship, we will have a shouting spirit and a serving spirit. When we come to worship God, we must also bring the right submission. That's our second point. We are to submit to the person of God. We are told to know that the Lord is God. That means we are to make a distinction. He and He alone is God. You know, that's probably one of the greatest problems in the world today, submitting to God. Understanding that He is God and He alone is God. People hate to submit. People will not submit to God because they think they are submitting to God, I believe, when they are submitting to other things. It's hard to recognize what an idol is, isn't it? I think it is in our culture particularly, or really any wealthy culture. It's hard to recognize what an idol is. Anything that stands between us and God is an idol, we don't recognize that a lot of the times. We don't recognize that, that things we love and that we put before God is an idol. It may not be an image, It may not be an icon of some kind, but it's an idol just the same. And we may not recognize that. We're not recognizing that God is God alone. We need to be able to do that. Sometimes we place finances or friends, social status, reputation, or anything that may be something we value higher. Have you ever crossed the dam on a Sunday and see someone in a boat fishing? That boat may be an idol. I don't know. Maybe they went to an earlier service. That I don't know. I'm not saying that's what they're thinking. But I've seen a lot of that on a Sunday. We have to be careful what we're placing before God, right? Anything that we dedicate most of our time, attention, and resources to that we're outside of God or that we're replacing God with, we have to be careful with, Right? It's okay to have things and to dedicate time and resources to. That's not what I'm saying. We can do that. God doesn't mind that. But we can't do more for that than we do for God. We can't encroach on God's time with those things. They have their own time, right? They have their own time. We can have our family time. We can have our vacation time. We can have our hobby time. There's plenty of time for that. We have to give God His proper time. And if we have to cut something out, brethren, it can't be God. It cannot be God. We have to be careful. I think the reason some people have time or have trouble making it to worship service, to evangelistic efforts, or to any activity of the church... Is because they've got a God that isn't God. They've got a God that isn't God and they don't recognize that. That's going to cost a lot of people their souls. We are to pursue, Paul says, 2 Timothy 2, 2, righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart because we choose to submit to the person of God. Let's submit to God. Let's bring the right tools. Let's bring the right tools. Let's submit to the person of God. And let's submit to the purpose of God. In the psalm we are reminded we are who we are because God made us. We owe it all to God. We would not have anything if God had not made us. We wouldn't have anything if God did not love us. We would not have anything if God did not choose us. We need to sit down and then we need to consider take out a piece of paper and write down I've got a nice home. I've got four nice vehicles. I've got a wonderful family. I've got great guns that I enjoy having. I've got 10,000 rounds of ammunition. You know, I'll just tell you, brethren, I was kind of looking through my stash last night. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I am cautious. And I thought, boy, I am glad I was gathering up some ammunition a while back. Thank God for that, because you can't get it now, right? I'm glad I've got a pantry. Got some good food in there, too. I wouldn't have any of that stuff without God. We need to consider those things, right? We need to consider we wouldn't have any of that without God. What about His purpose? We are who we are because God made us. In the physical creation, God took the elements of the earth and He formed a new creation. When He created the first man. But why would we Bring anything to worship because God made us. In fact, like taking the elements of the earth and making a new creation in Adam, He took the sacrifice of Jesus and made a new creation from the old person each Christian used to be. He changed us. He changed us. Paul talked about the creation of a new person when one obeys the gospel plan of salvation. Isn't that an amazing process? Think about that. How many of us here could have thought that plan up? We talked about that in class this morning. We're not going to go through all of that. We, you know, the way the world is now, I look around, we've all obeyed the gospel. We understand what that process is. We need to be reminded of that. We're just not going to take the time this morning. But we do not need to brush it aside and say, hey, that's, that's the old timers used to do that. But we need to remind ourselves constantly of what that plan of salvation is lest we forget. But who would have thought about the process of becoming a Christian of faith, repentance, confession, and baptism in water? I couldn't have thought of that. That makes a new person, doesn't it? Then that new person culminated in allowing the message of the gospel to take root and become a new person. To tell other people about it. And so why do we need to bring something to worship? To praise God and be thankful to Him for that. We will no longer fear or dread the tragedies of this life because we're something new. We'll no longer fear or dread the deaths that come in this life because we're something new. That's the purpose of God. What should I bring to worship? The right spirit, the right submission, the right sacrifice. That's our third and our last point. Quickly. During the times of the Old Testament, the priest was required to bring the proper sacrifice for the people. Hebrews 9, 7. And we are to bring the proper sacrifice. But ours is different. The writer of Hebrews says we were to offer the praise of the fruit of our lips. We've been doing that all morning. To God continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to His name, Hebrews 13.5. So what is the right sacrifice we bring to worship? We bring the sacrifice of praise for God's goodness. I'm thankful for God. We're told the Lord is good. Everything God does is an expression of His goodness. Toward who? Toward what? Toward us. Toward His creation. We, tra- we praise God because He's good no matter what happens in this life. It does not matter what happens. He is good. God is good always. Paul encouraged the reader, Romans eight twenty eight and We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. And that does not mean bad things do not happen to good folks. That does not mean that bad things will not happen to us in this life. What that does mean is is that God is good and we will be blessed one way or the other. It may be in the next life, but we will be blessed. We also bring the sacrifice of praise because of God's grace, because He's good and because of His grace. He did not have to bless us. He did not have to be good. It's in His nature, but He did not have to extend that to us. How thankful should we be for that? He had no obligation to do that for us. He could have just ended it immediately when Adam and Eve sinned. Paul explained God's grace is accessed by an obedient faith. We've got to do something. We have to believe, absolutely, but we've got to do something. It's, It's grace. It's a free gift that has attached to it Things we have to do. And we have to be faithful. And we have to do the things that He's asked us to do. What should we bring to worship? There are some things we ought to bring and some things we should simply get rid of. Bring the things He's asked us to bring. The right spirit, the right submission, and the right sacrifice. To be a Christian, you know, it requires all those things. It requires that in worship, but it requires also those same things to be a Christian. We know what they are. After you obey the gospel, if you fall away, do you know it requires those same things to come back? The right spirit, recognizing where I've done wrong, the right submission, wanting to come back and being willing to recognize that, and the right sacrifice. Doing away with those things in this life. Asking God to forgive me. And he'll do it. If you need to answer this Lord's invitation, do that as we stand and as we sing.